Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And welcome to another edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. And these are indeed critical times these days. As uh, we speak to you this morning, uh, the Middle East, of course, is, is a rather tenuous situation. We don't know what's going to be happening there in the war now between Hamas and Israel. Uh, Ukrainian situation seems to be uh, having some downturns for the Ukrainian and President Zelensky very concerned about aid that's going to happen. Uh, the United States government seems to be on fire right now. Uh, they don't have a speaker. They haven't given any money out to Ukraine or to Israel. Uh, they're ready to, to break the government down once again with another debt ceiling crisis. And we're going to get to all that in, in shows in, in the next couple of days here. But uh, as we look at all of those facets, we still don't want to lose sight of what's happening here in this country. Some rather interesting political developments over the last little while that we want to cover on the program today. And uh, to do that, we're so pleased to welcome to our program uh, Dr. Laurie Turnbull. Dr. Turnbull is the professor and chair of public and International Affairs at Dalhousie University. Uh, Laurie, always a pleasure. Thanks for making some time for us today. Thank you, too. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, there's a number of things I want to talk about here, and we can get into public opinion polls here, too, because I know that uh, there's another one released today, that Angus Reid, that indicates that the, the Liberals are 11 points behind the Conservatives, uh, which is not surprising. I mean, that's been a trend in the last little while, and we all look at those numbers uh, under the guise of, look, at this is a snapshot in time. And we don't think there's going to be an election anytime soon, although I guess nothing is carved in stone these days. But what I found interesting about the numbers uh, from this particular poll are the, uh, the, the, the numbers about Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev as individuals, as potential leaders. And we know that, that the Prime Minister's numbers have been on a steady decline for the last little while. Uh, but Pierre Polyev uh, is just not latching on uh, to the Canadian public. Uh, the numbers, that, as, as I see from the poll today, Laurie, indicate that uh, fewer than two in five of you Polyev favorably, and that's very much the same as it was last year, but that same number hold a very strong unfavorable opinion of him. Uh, Almost 50% of the people they asked said that we just don't like this guy. Uh, Do you have to like somebody to make them the leader of the country? Probably not. I mean, uh, sometimes it helps. Like, I think there was a big likability factor with Justin Trudeau in 2015, Mm-hmm. Um, there was a you could see like there was a move um, even among NDP voters for, for example toward Trudeau for different reasons I think the electoral reform promise was one of them um, reconciliation that, that that sort of thing but there he had this kind of personal charisma that he was able to get a lot of um, a lot of support now that doesn't last right as we see like even in the 2019 election some of the shine had come off Trudeau by that point, and so it seemed like some of the likability that had contributed to his big win in 2015 was kind of fraying, and that happens over time. Like, it absolutely does to any political leader, I think. Um, like, it seems to me Polyev is stalled. He's got as many negatives as he has positives. He has done some work on managing his image and letting people get to know him a little more, softening his rhetoric, softening his, his look. Um, and then he kind of goes up and down with that a little bit, but it seems like he's not really able to get past where he is now in terms of popularity. And both of the the major leaders are in that position where they seem like as many people dislike mm-hmm. them as like them. Is that a big problem for Trudeau? I think so. Is that a big problem for Polyev? I think less so. Because if people are looking for an alternative, um, he doesn't need everybody to like him. And they would have very specific and precise math on 
what they need for him to yeah. get across that threshold. And he doesn't need like he he could form a majority government even if the numbers right now stay the same. We've seen in the past, and I know the comparison is often made between uh, Polyev and, and his old boss, Stephen Harper. Uh, in the 2006 election, January of 2006, when Harper actually did defeat Paul Martin, uh, Canadians didn't have a whole lot of uh, love for for Stephen Harper at that time either. But they didn't hate him. They didn't dislike him. Right. They just weren't warm and fuzzy towards him in any way, shape, or form. They just got tired of the liberals, and they moved to Harper. But there's a strong, strong segment of the population that just don't like Polyev. Right, and I, I totally agree with you. There was not the same negative reaction to Harper. There were people, lots of people who didn't like him, but lots of people who didn't like him voted for him, too. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a hate thing. It was just a, okay, he's not our favorite guy, but what he's saying in terms of economic policy makes sense to me. I could back that up. And if people are, if given the voter fatigue with the liberals at the time, he presented a, an option. He presented an alternative that was reasonable to enough people. Mm -hmm. I don't think Harper was a, was a big liability to them. In terms of the likability factor, yes, the warm and fuzzy, that wasn't there. But I, I don't think people cared about that. For Polyev, yeah, there are people who cannot fathom the idea of him being prime minister. But I think we're living in a world now where leaders are no longer trying to appeal to everybody. Like, I think there was a time where you'd know as a political leader, not everyone's going to like me, but I'm going to do my damn best to make sure that as many people do as possible, and I'm going to try to put a vision out there that appeals to as many people as humanly possible. We're going to build a big tent. Like, that was the politics of decades ago. Now it's politics of division, where the leaders and the parties know. Uh, and part of this is the, the kind of technology we have and the ability for us to know very specifically, you know, where does that... What what level of support do you need and where does it need to come from in order to build a majority government or even a minority or whatever? That He knows he doesn't need everyone to like him. It doesn't actually matter. Like if, if a person who's not going to vote for Polyev kind of doesn't like him or hates him, it doesn't matter. Like it, And for him, I think as much as his own negatives are, are not something for him to be excited about, he can look at Trudeau's negatives and say, you know, if I can get people to not vote for him, even if they don't vote for me, that's almost as good as a conservative vote, depending mm -hmm. on where the ballot is cast or not. Like if he manages to give enough reason to depress the liberal vote so that they don't come out, then he's he's making gains from that, right? And then mm -hmm. he's got the people who are going to come out for him. And so it actually, like, it looks bad when you see those negatives piling up, but from his perspective, it actually might not matter that much. It's it's an acquired taste, I guess. Maybe that's the way to categorize uh, Pierre Polyev and a lot and of politicians. Many what, will never acquire it. <laughs> exactly. What was that old line? I think it was a beer company years ago. Uh, the, the, their tagline was "Those who like it like it a lot," and I noticed Keith. that with Polyev. That if was Alexander Keith. Well, there you go. There you go. One of my favorites. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's where I, that's why I remember the slogan. Had my first beer at uh, uh, Keith's actually in, on the pier in Halifax a number of years ago. But that's another that's long story. <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, but you notice this, uh, for instance, on social media, and, and, and one of the latest tropes, of course, is about this interview that I know you've seen, too, but now they call this guy a journalist. I don't know who it was that was talking to him, but it was in an orchard. Paul is munching on an apple, not paying a whole lot of attention and being rather dismissive and, and some suggest arrogant. Uh, but if you look at some of the comments on, on X, uh, where the video has been posted, his fans are out there saying, boy, what a put he, this is the guy we want. They just love this guy. 
Uh, they don't see uh, any of that arrogance that other people seem to. And you juxtapose that with the, the Angus Reid results here, which say that almost half the country just don't like this guy at all. But the ones who do like him, like him a whole lot. And and let's face it, we've seen that in politics, haven't we, Laura? Where that that can carry you through an election. Oh yeah, and I think another thing is that we're in this world of like celebrity politics, brand politics, where pers- the personality of the leader is a lot more important in terms mm-hmm. of p- who people are electing and why than it would have been years ago. I mean, I think we know more about the personal lives, the personal brands. How, how politicians carry themselves. There's much more in terms of targeted messaging to voters. And so Polyev is packaging himself a certain way. He knows that because of social media, he can do that himself. He doesn't need the mass media to carry him. He can put his own YouTube up and people mm-hmm. will watch it. And so it's not the same as when politicians had to go into a packed hall and try to get people excited, which I think they all did in a very similar way. Now it's they're trying to sell themselves. And so personality is not going to appeal to everybody right like for as like yeah. if people are instead of using the values of the party instead of using the brand and the legacy of the party the leaders are selling themselves and if we they sell themselves some people are going to really like them and some people are going to really not and if you're selling yourself you have to be strong your personality has to carry you have to have enough to kind of get people's attention and some of that attention will be negative i think it's the time we're living in and unless and until that changes and i don't know i don't know about that i think we're going to continue to see these very high positives and very high negative reactions because we're not talking about policies and values you're talking about whether you like somebody mm-hmm. and so that's a very different kind of question uh just a couple of days ago the ndp had their policy convention in hamilton and uh uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but I mean, if one of the comments uh, Jagmeet Singh was reaffirmed as as leader. Uh, the numbers were down, but he he got talking about his two opponents, about Trudeau and and about uh, Polyev, and he he mentioned at that time he says, you know, Polyev is selling hatred and anger, uh, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, but what Jagmeet Singh didn't say was it's working. Uh, you know, when, when people are really pissed off, like you know, if they just had to renew their mortgage and now the payments are double what they were a year ago. They're angry, and and Polyev is 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 poking that 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 sore right there. He's not saying necessarily he's got the solution, but he says this is happening because of Justin Trudeau. I, I saw the you know, everything that's wrong in the world today is is Justin Trudeau's fault, according to Polyev, and his loyal supporters are buying into that. You know, if it's yeah. raining in Ottawa today, well, that's Trudeau's fault. You know, if the if the roads close because of construction, that's Trudeau's fault. And when you're angry, you need to focus that, and and that seems to be what's happening right now. Uh, and and like like I say, that's politics. And Paul Evan, his people seem to understand that you know what when when you see somebody that's twisting in the wind, like the liberals seem to be these days, sometimes the best strategy is just stand back and let it happen. And and uh, I know that may be frustrating for Jagmeet Singh. It's certainly frustrating for Justin Trudeau. Uh, but it seems to be working for the conservatives. And at least you know when you look at the big picture here. Oh yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is when, when people are angry, there's usually another emotion there. The anger is, is sitting on top of something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think, in many people's cases right now, I think the anger is sitting on top of fear. It's fear that you're not going to be able to make your rent, you're not going to be able to make your mortgage, you're not going to be able to help your kids as well as you thought you would, you're not going to be able to buy a house or get a place to live at all, you, whatever education you have is not going to lead to a job, you're not going to have enough to spend to cover your groceries like whatever wherever you are 
there are more people who are afraid. And so then when that is the root of the anger, then it becomes much more likely that people are looking for a change. Because it's easy to say everything is Justin Trudeau's fault, even if it's not true, you know, and, yeah. you know, even, even if, it, like, it, he's the status quo, he's the prime minister. Nobody can say that whatever policy that's being applied right now is Polyev's fault because he's not the leader, he's not the, pre he's not the prime minister. And so he's got a period of time that will end, obviously, if he becomes prime minister. This whole scare tactic thing is not going to work for him if he actually wins the election. Then he has to totally pivot. And I mean, of course, everybody does, right? Like whenever you're the opposition leader, you're running to be the prime minister, yes, you're going to have to change your approach when you're actually, if you win. But in his case, it seems to be very stark. Like he's, he's really going down a line of, this is the government's fault. He's, he's raising uh, issues with institutions of our governing, you know, our, he's raising issues with governing institutions that actually aren't political and have nothing to do with Justin Trudeau and are not controlled by him. Like, he's really plucking away at people's distrust of the system more broadly. And I can't help but think that is going to bite him at some point if he wins. Let's, let's swing back to the, to the NDP and their policy convention uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, since the day they struck this deal with the Liberal government, the Trudeau government, there's been an awful lot of criticism uh, nationwide about Jagmeet Singh propping up, that was the phrase you hear more often than not, propping up the Liberal government. Uh, I guess, you know, putting up with some, some rather controversial pieces of legislation, all on the proviso that the stuff on their wish list uh, is going to be provided for. And, 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 of course, I guess the number one issue, and they talked about it again at, at this policy convention, uh, was national pharmacare, dental care, all these things that have been some of the, the, the major planks of the NDP. Uh, but how many times can, Justin, or can just Jagmeet Singh threaten to pull his support? I mean, this is kind of like the guy who cried wolf at some point, isn't it? A, you know, when the when the deal was fresh, and he said he's, I, I'm, I'm considering doing that, and he and he mentioned that even during the COVID crisis, uh, when some of the government spending started to, to just balloon. Yeah. Well, you know, we we have to look at this, and if we pull support, the government goes down. I, now that's white noise, I think, to most people in Ottawa now, isn't it? Yeah, sure, Jagmeet, you're not going to do that at all, but that's still something that he's trying to hold over the government right now, and I, I don't think it's working. I don't think it's working either. Uh, I, I, I don't think, in my view, I'll, and I guess I, you know, we'll, we'll find out what the answer to this is at some point, but I don't think this was ever really a great idea for the NDP. I, th I think they were all, this was totally unnecessary to enter into some, like, it's not a coalition, but an actual, you know, almost contractual <laughs> agreement in that they put something out there in writing mm -hmm. and committed themselves to supporting the liberals on these things they would have supported the liberals on those things anyway and the liberals would have done them anyway yeah there's probably a couple of things maybe we wouldn't have gotten you know the exact specifics on dental care maybe we would have there's not a whole lot of like honestly there's not a whole lot of policy space between Trudeau and Jigmeet Singh and it's going to be hard I think for the NDP to be able to take any credit for any of this because people are not that's not necessarily what they're listening to. People are still extremely concerned about the affordability crisis. As far as the politics of it, like, no, I don't think anybody is taking Jagmeet seriously, the Jagmeet Singh seriously at this point. If he's out there saying, well, we'll defeat the government. You know what? You don't actually have to do that. You could, they could, they have a little space and another step where they could say, we're not necessarily out to defeat the government, but we no longer want to be part of this confidence and supply agreement anymore. Right, like we we actually want to tear that up and say this hasn't worked, and for now on, we'll be getting we'll be supporting the government on an ad hoc basis. 
I don't even know if anyone would listen to that, though. Like, I, I think at this point, um, I, I, it seems like the liberals and the conservatives are dominating the conversation, and the, the NDP are trying to get in, and I'm not sure that that's happening. There were rumbles of discontent within the NDP caucus when this deal was struck a number of years. Oh, yeah. uh, but they were just kind of, hey, just give it time, give it time. And, and, and so that was kind of passed over. But we heard this past weekend uh, during this policy convention in Hamilton an awful lot of NDP supporters, uh, members of the, the, the party, that are now saying it's time to pull the plug on this. They're not saying threaten to do it. They're saying just pull the plug, get this guy out of here. And I, I think part of that frustration might be when we look at some of these numbers, Laurie, uh, you know, the Liberals are, are, are tanking right now. They're not doing well at all in any of these polls. Uh, the Conservatives are up by 11 points, but the NDP are not moving up. And, and I, 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 it could well be some pushback because of this deal. I think Canadians that don't like Trudeau are all of a sudden now not liking the NDP because they're saying, well, he's still there because of you guys, so we have to punish you as well. And I think, I think that's causing a certain paranoia with the NDP. But that, what's that old line? You're not paranoid. They really are out to get you. Well, and that might be the feeling that a lot of them are thinking right now. Yeah, and and I think, too, like it's to just add another layer on top of that, even party loyalties are becoming more complex in that voters are moving around more. Um, mm -hmm. Even in, if, if we look at the last Ontario election, it, Doug Ford ended up getting support from a lot of private sector unions that we would typically think, you know, the worker is supporting the NDP. Well, not, not now, not necessarily. Uh, there's more traffic across those lines. And so even now, like some polls are showing, the Liberals are actually ceding some, like they, they're actually losing some support to the NDP. So we can imagine the water pouring in on that side. But there's a leak of support from the NDP to the Conservatives because people who are thinking about affordability, workers who are thinking about, you know, hey, I'm working my butt off over here. What, like, why am I so scared all the time? Why am I not more secure? They're looking around. And again, if Jagmeet Singh has been too close to the Liberals and you're looking for an alternative to that, he has not put enough space between himself and the Liberals. So if you're looking for an alternative, you're going to look at Polyev. And if he's saying the type, you know, he's not stupid. Like he's he's doing this, this like he, he's making these appeals to hardworking Canadians who still can't afford, you know, they're doing everything right and they can't make ends meet. Polyev is right there having that conversation. And so I think we'll see a lot of like these, and this will play out differently in each riding, in each province. So he he's in a pretty complex situation right now. Well, I, I guess you can take that from the, the the Doug Ford playbook from the last election, as you say. Uh, you know, the economy was starting to to show some signs of deteriorating, and Ford basically went to the trade unions and said, "I'm going to guarantee you guys get your jobs. I'm going to make sure that you guys are going to be okay through all of this." And some of the major trade unions, the auto workers, uh, Liuna, others that have traditionally supported, as you say, either the NDP or the Liberals, went to Ford. And Polyev seems to be using that same playbook right now to try to grab them. You know, and whether, it doesn't matter if you're a trade unionist or whatever you are, if, if you're afraid you're going to lose your house, and this guy says, no, I can make sure that's not going to happen, you're going to listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a there's an interesting appeal that Polyev is making, you know, and he he does this thing where I, I see this a lot in American politics, but he talks about this, you know, almost like this specific person, this person who lives on Vancouver Island, their mortgage is now seventy five hundred dollars a month. And that like he makes it very personal, but he's singling out, you know, how how it feels to be in this circumstance, as opposed to talking broadly about policy changes. He makes it about people. 
And so it's even if sometimes, I, like, I find sometimes that his ideas aren't necessarily totally different from what the liberals are proposing, actually. Yeah. It's that Polyev explains it very differently. He explains a, a, in terms of how will this affect your life. And he explains it in a way that would suggest, even if you don't like him, that he understands what it feels like for an individual person or an mm -hmm. individual family. And then he pushes Trudeau on, you're some rich frat boy who doesn't understand anything. And then, he, I, again, to go back to those likability and the, the negatives put, being put up, I think even though Polyev's negatives are sticking around, he's still adding to Trudeau's negatives. He's having a success at that. And so, again, he might be looking at these numbers and thinking, this is actually pretty good. Well, and we saw that just last week, uh, I guess it was a Q&A, and I mean, these things are all set up and they're structured and scripted a lot of the time, but, but somebody was complaining about Trudeau, and, and, and Pauly have called him a Marxist, just like his dad. Uh, and, I, I mean, the pushback on that was, was immediate. I mean, my, my friend Charles Adler wrote an interesting op-ed piece about just the other day, I, I, I know you saw, uh, basically, he's not a Marxist, and, but the problem is, is when you don't like a guy, uh, Justin Trudeau or anybody else, uh, you're going to believe everything negative about them and say, "Yeah, yeah, that, he is. Yeah, that's what that's what the problem is." And so was his old man because they didn't like him either. Yeah. Uh, it's not true, but misinformation, as you say, seems to carry the day in politics these days. Uh, whatever the party affiliation is, just tell people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear, and and that's something that they'll they seem to embrace now. And they'll believe it. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really frustrating, and like I, that's good. Uh, huge problem that we're going to have to be dealing with and there's all different ways to deal with it it brings me comfort that there's a backlash when somebody just lies right like and i think that's mm -hmm. the way to, to to like it's not just about sending out competing messages on social media it's all also about when people say point blank like that is wrong that is not that's not appropriate you don't need to say you don't need to make things up about your opponent. Like, you should probably be able to find enough stuff that's true. Well, that especially these days, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Justin Trudeau. I, I don't think he's done a great job. There's an awful lot of holes to poke. And, and that, was, that was my immediate thing. And I mentioned that the only time Paul ever agreed to come on my show back in the radio days was was you don't have to make stuff up, Mr. Polyev. There's enough here, enough yeah. f food here for you to just pick this guy apart left, right, and center on factual information as opposed to having to make stuff up. I said the, when you do it your way, you just get characterized as a venomous individual that's going to say anything and do anything. And that's not the kind of thing you want as a leader. No, and, and honestly, like, that, that will come... It comes at a cost for the institution, it comes at a cost for the voter, it cheapens everything. Whether people hold Polyev to account for that kind of thing at the ballot box or not, it's still, you know, take things seriously. Do not throw things around about people just because you think that enough people are going to be like, oh yeah, he is a Marxist. Like, come on. Be, be, if you want to be the Prime Minister, be a serious person. And don't do stupid throwaway lines like that because you think... It's going to have people, what, like, it's going to make them laugh? It's going to make them hate Trudeau a little more? Like, silly. Uh, we'll leave it at that for now as to how the Prime Minister is going to react. As I say, there's a number of things going on globally. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Prime Minister, as we speak this morning, is, is still in Ottawa meeting with Caribbean leaders about the, the environment. That's uh, still one of the major planks, of course, for the Liberal government. Uh, but we're watching some of the other activities as well. And uh, we'll update this a little bit later on on our next edition of it. Laurie, as always, thank you so much for this. Always a pleasure talking with you.
Thank you too, Bill. Take care. Take care. Dr. Laurie Turnbull from Dalhousie University. Uh, and that is another edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Uh, let us know what you think. By all means, uh, get in touch with us. I want your comments, good, bad, and ugly. And uh, we'll be with you again in just a couple of days as we continue our uh, discussions about things that are going on in the world. Until next time, I'm Bill Kelly. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with the will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens and Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife, and I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care. Thank you.